I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypto's CEO, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, we're going to discuss the future of DeFi. We know it's coming. Regulations. What is that going to look like for the DeFi space? And in this episode, we talk to three different people to figure out how regulations are going to unfold coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. September 18th, 2020, Friday. Happy Friday to everyone. And like I said in the intro, we're going to talk DeFi and regulations. We have three people coming on the show today. We have Jason Wu of Definer, Zachy Munyan of Eclusion, and Eric Pinos of Ontology. Before we get into this conversation, let's take a look at our crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. So I'm putting this episode out a little early today because eh, I don't want you guys to wait. I'm recording this at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the prices are from 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin, $10,945, up 0.5% from yesterday. Ethereum, $385.53, up 0.4% from yesterday. Litecoin, 48.63, the same as yesterday. Chainlink, also the same as yesterday at 10.73. And XRP, the same as yesterday at 25.2 cents. Total market cap for all of cryptocurrency is $354.5 billion. And BTC dominance is 57.1%. And a note for everyone, Uniswap. Uniswap is airdropping Unitokens to a lot of people who has used their platform in the past. We're talking, if you get 400 Uniswap tokens at today's price, we're talking over $2,000. So please check your Uniswap. Please see if you can claim your airdrop. It is absolutely insane. We're talking about government stimulus, Uniswap for president, Uniswap for president. But please be cautious. There is another Unit token, UNI, out there that isn't Uniswap. It's called Unicorn. (laughs) So you have two UNI tokens out there. So if you're thinking about buying one of the tokens of course this is not advice i'm not telling you what to buy i'm telling you to be careful that you're not buying unicorn when you think you're buying uniswap it's a thing be careful make sure you check double check and triple check so you do not make a mistake and buy the wrong token now on to our conversation so our conversation today kind of went into three different parts the united states asia and the future of regulations, what it's going to look like. And for the United States, we have Eric Pinos of Ontology, and we kind of look at what the SEC might do. And for Asia, China, Japan, Korea, Taiwan, we talked to Jason Wu of Definer, and we kind of loosely do an analysis of every country and how they look at cryptocurrency, what they possibly could do when it comes to DeFi in the future. And for our third conversation, we talked to Zaki Munyan of Eclusion, and we talk about what the rollout of these regulations could look like and how it could affect everyone. Enjoy this conversation today, and we'll see you after the show. 
Eric, how you doing, man? Welcome back to the show. Good. Thanks for having me back. Look, I have a burning question because I am literally waking up every morning thinking I'm in the Groundhog's Day. I think that ICOs are like repeating itself. I'm living through 2017 every time I see the DeFi space. That means eventually the SEC is going to come in and do their thing. What do you think that's going to look like? Yeah, well, it should be interesting. I don't think that SEC coming in will necessarily mean that party's over or that things will will stop. Ultimately, I do think it's going to be good for this space because there is just a lot of scams happening now and it is getting really egregious, the level of, of DeFi scams and pump and dumps that are occurring. But in terms of like the real use cases, I think it should be interesting to see uh, what kinds of regulations are placed around the actual like DeFi use cases so that we know like what role they play because we don't really even know yet. You know, we're kind of jumping the shark here and saying like decentralized lending, decentralized insurance. Nexus Mutual has to require people to KYC themselves to participate in this insurance platform. Okay, it makes sense. Hey, this the community just made, they just tokenized uh, the Nexus Mutual coin into wrap Nexus Mutual coin, which you don't need to KYC yourself. So anybody can buy it. And then everyone ran with the idea. And it's like, there was a reason why you have to KYC yourself. It's not just to like ruin everybody's fun. So you know, I think we have to take a step back and see, like, what are the regulations that are surrounding this? You know, where is the SEC going to place the most uh, emphasis on? So you said that basically there is going to be emphasis on companies slash utilities. So there's going to be like maybe specific companies of doing things that are going to have to follow KYC. And then there's a, the utility of what we're looking at within the DeFi space that's going to have a specific kind of regulations. Is that, yeah. is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, exactly. I mean, because once the SEC publishes some kind of guidelines as to like what's acceptable and what's not acceptable in DeFi, that makes it easier for everybody, right? Because then it, people, they're not worried as much anymore. It's like, okay, is what I'm doing, is my DeFi project accidentally going to get in trouble with the, with the SEC, right? And so the guidelines are always helpful for that. Like when the guidelines for what ICOs and how you could do a token sale came out, it was like, okay, you know, like I know whether or not this was an okay token sale and what I would need to do if I actually wanted to do a real token sale. I mean, on a personal level, right? When the guidelines for like IRS for when the IRS guidelines for um, your crypto taxes came out, then it was like, okay, cool. There's clarity there, which, you know, here there's, there's also, that's an also a point in the discussion, right? Like what are the IRS guidelines? Because there's so many new concepts now in terms of uh, tokens as well. Like for example, the Ampleforth rebasing coin that the supply is minting and burning every day in your wallet. Technically from the, our best understanding of this archaic tax system, every rebase could be income and then what's every what's every burn like is that a loss right so people don't even really know like it just hasn't existed before so we don't know how to deal with that and so just like in 2017 when people were getting airdrops to the wallets and they had no idea what is account as uh, under irs i think it's it is really important for the irs to step forward and to publish those guidelines because that makes that makes a certain demographic of people and a certain subset of people more comfortable with it which will ultimately get them into the space so i think it ultimately helps bring in new people into the space it's like once these guidelines are more clear Right. It's interesting because, you know, established finance, you know, re regulations, you know, if you fit into that, it, you're earning interest. Oh, we know how that's taxed. You're, you're making an investment. We know how that's taxed. We know about long and short. We get we get it. But nobody's ever even thought about like, what if the company just, you know, sends you money and puts it in your bank account? Like, wait, wait, I didn't even know I had that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then they take it back because a rebase allows you to take it back. 
He's like, right. everyone, okay, everyone collectively at 10 p.m. burns 5% of their wallet. Like, what is that? Is that spending? Is that a, a loss? Like, there's no place to put that on the form. In <laughs> like, right. you know, like, there's no right. there's no place to put that on the tax form. Right. X company that I didn't even know existed sent me money and now I have to give five percent of it. And, and yeah, right. When it comes to the SEC, when you, when you said about tokens, fundraising, things like that, you know, it seems as though that the, the SEC and the IRS are being rather lazy as well, because with these some of these things have existed already for a long time. So when it comes to fundraising, when it comes to tokens, when it comes to, you know, just hodling in general, this could be an overall general like idea already for how everything works but it seems as though they get caught up on the minute details that are, are kind of like there's a macro and micro when it comes to the looking at this from the, from both of them and they're kind of messing up even the macro and not even talking about things like burns and tokens airdrops and things like that yeah i don't think that they you know the past guidelines that they have published i don't think they're necessarily the best guidelines um i think that there's still a disconnect in their understanding of what the cryptocurrency space is and these guidelines that are being published there were still many questions about the sec guidelines there's still many questions about the the irs tax guidelines even when they published well i actually don't know if this is if this is handled by the SEC, but like whoever whoever is the governing body behind accredited investor status, when they publish the guides because they they updated the accredited investor status, you know, in an attempt to help get new investors to get more money flowing into these asset classes, it still wasn't very clear like what exactly the relaxations were or like what changed. Um, so I don't know. I feel like maybe that's just kind of that's just an SEC problem in general. Because it seems like difficult to keep up with the the pace of innovation and the pace of of uh, these new types of things and how to properly regulate them because the the existing model doesn't doesn't cover it like you need to really think from the ground up what these classes what these digital assets are because they are in many cases entirely new asset classes as far as I understand, the SEC makes recommendations for accredited investors, and then it has to go through Congress to get approved, and, and they can either uh, agree or disagree with it or uh, amend their recommendations. First, you know, what I didn't establish is, are you pro or con regulation? Um, I'm pro regulation. I think that it's important to, it's important to these, that, you know, this can't stay the wild, wild west and needs to be regulated to protect against scams um, and I don't think that that will happen if you just kind of leave it be and just you say like, well, if you get scammed, it's your fault. Because I think there's a, there are a lot of bad actors. And I think that they if you get scammed, it's really not your fault because the level of sophistication that these hackers are using and that these scammers are using is just beyond precedented. And as a society, the majority of people are not equipped to be able to handle how to safely browse the internet and not get pulled into any scam. So I do think that the regulations uh, are important. Also, you know, curbing down on money laundering and crime. Those are real things. I'm in favor of like not too many regulations because I don't think that it needs to be overly regulated, but I think that there needs, there does need to be like proper regulations around it uh, to help the DeFi space grow and ultimately make it more accessible to more people with the fewest number of scams possible. Right on, Eric. I want to say thank you for coming on and talking about this. Thank you. Jason, welcome back to the show. Hey, man. How's it going? My question to you, <laughs> DeFi regulation. Pro or con? Uh, I think a regulation is good uh, for the long-term development of DeFi. 
and because uh, you cannot uh, supplement or grow around the regulation if you want bring this industry from current $10 billion to a trillion dollar or $10 trillion industry. Uh, regulation is necessary. Uh, I'm, you know, it's a problem of uh, regulation. Uh, and uh, I think uh, uh, regulation will help protect the consumers who don't have really uh, the ability to tell is this a real project service or a scam. So uh, personally, I'm pro for regulation. Yeah. So regulation changes from country to country. You're currently in Shanghai. Yeah, I'm assuming that you have a lot more international experience. I've talked to people about U.S. regulations when it comes to the SEC and how the U.S. and the U.S. usually seems to go its own way a lot of times when it's talking about how they're going to approach cryptocurrency opposed to, say, Asia. How do you think that there's going to be a difference between how Asia and Asian countries, China, Japan, Korea, Thailand, or or anybody else, Singapore, of course, and Hong Kong, uh, is different from the US? Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's really good questions. But uh, to be honest, uh, uh, that's uh, China and US totally two different markets. And uh, uh, in US, it's actually more regulated. What I mean is uh, people are, you know, all the project capital, uh, they are more established and more regulated. And however, that's not the case in China. All the all over the you know the cryptocurrency uh, market in China is it, still uh, uh, outside of the you know uh, the regulation, uh, outside of the radar. So uh, that will be totally two different case. And uh, and but uh, in, in China, uh, there's a lot market like this. Uh, you know, it's not that uh, well regulated, but they still there. And uh, it it just matter, you know, it's the, um, but they are not big enough, right? So uh, that that's why if the DeFi bring a lot of volume and a lot of new money come to this industry, uh, the, the the regulator they will come after all those players, and uh, based on my experience, uh, they will do you know it's a one standard. You, you for example the, the ICO, right? Like you can not do any ICOs. After they implement uh, some rules, like you cannot do any device, then, you know, they start to study what device you can do, what is not you can do. Uh, that's kind of style of uh, here. Uh, you know, in U.S., I feel uh, they will do more study and uh, to kind of differentiate project by project. Uh, because I want to see we, sh- we should and we must differentiate two group of projects or uh, tokens in DeFi right now. Uh, one group is uh, they are issuing token as part of their you know, governance and a part of their uh, service. Uh, and uh, for example, Compound, uh, Maker, and those are service provider, financial service provider. Either they do uh, like uh, uh, Uniswap uh, AMM trading or lending or you know, uh, borrowing or insurance. They are providing a financial service. This is one group. Another group is fund manager or hedge fund. They are using the token as a LP token. They are using the token to uh, do crowdfunding, actually. So, but their service is about capital allocation. And for example, uh, yield farming, yarn, they don't have their own, uh, you know, service, which like a base layer service. What I mean, basically, the service is the real demand, right? The, the borrow, lending, trading, insurance, those kind of services. But they are managing a huge 
pool of token or fund to allocate, they also issue their token to do crowdfunding. I think uh, for the first group, I think it's totally fine. Also, and uh, you can see, you know, compounds start to issue a token and uh, that's kind of account as their sales, right? A part of their sales. But however, for the second group, I think that's more regulated territory, right? Like in US, if you want to do a fund management, you, you have to register, you have to uh, get a lot, you know, uh, certificates, uh, you know, uh, approval from the government. And, but right now I didn't see that at all. So I'm more worried about, about that part of regulations. Like I mentioned, there's, you know, Asia is is big. <laughs> there's a lot of countries in Asia. And I've noticed when it came to ICOs, when it comes to crypto adoption, when it comes to the way that they, their outlook on this emerging technology, they all differ a little bit. Like, for example, Taiwan is very bullish. They have a sandbox. They want people to come in, make Taiwan their home base. They are all in on crypto or any kind of emerging industry. Uh, Japan and Korea, they're trying to figure it out, even though they're bullish and they're like, hey, yeah, we're, we're trying to you know, figure out what's, how to get crypto integrated into our, our economies. They are also very cautious and they are very looking closely at how things go within this industry. And China, China is honestly a little bit an enigma. It's like all the miners are there, but then it's like <laughs> I, I know a lot of the exchanges moved out. And then it's banned Bitcoin one day, it's not banned Bitcoin the next day. So I'm very curious about how do you think about these different countries, major players, and do you think they're bullish or bearish? Yeah, I think uh, uh, because, you know, the economy, the the overall uh, volume of the economy uh, is different. So I I think uh, for like a a little bit smaller economy and they kind of attract people globally and to do business over there and also it's easier for them to regulate because the service, uh, most of the service majority is provided outside of that region, right? For example, even Taiwan, Singapore, uh, even Japan or Korea, if you have a company there, like uh, uh, probably the service itself provided is very, very global. The case for China is different. Most of the case, you know, is because the, the size of the economy, the populations. So the service is even they are from outside, but they actually provide a lot of service within the mainland China. So what I mean is mainland China, the government is more cautious because they don't need openness to attract uh, other people from other countries come to this country. They, they don't have to, but they more want to protect their consumers. And also uh, because of the impact, you know, the different sides of the country, the economy is different. So the impact will be different. So uh, for like country like Singapore, and uh, they, they, they are easier to, uh, they, they can afford to make mistakes. And uh, in China, it is so hard. And if you make mistake, that will be a huge mistake. So they are more cautious, uh, especially uh, right now, DeFi is in financial industry, which is heavily regulated in any countries, uh, especially, you know, in China. That's why they make it uh, be more super cautious. But right now, DeFi is super new and also uh, it's still in China, it's still not started. Only like uh, people in the tier one, uh, you know, the cities who can speak English, uh, they already participate in the DeFi. The market here is huge and it's still not started. But once it started, more and more people come in, more and more money come in. I think that will be the time, uh, you know, the regulation will come to prevent the consumers or like do some regulations. That's what I'm 
I think. Right on, Jason. And Jason, thank you very much for coming on the show again. My pleasure. Zaki, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thank you, sir. Look, we're talking about DeFi. We're talking about regulations. We're talking about, well, everything's mirroring ICOs right now. We're talking about people getting hosed for the most part, sometimes, maybe, possibly, with these DeFi projects, losing money, losing investments, losing confidence. The, this is still the Wild West in the crypto space. Can you tell us something that you talked to me about off air a little bit is that regulations come after punitive damages happen. Can you please tell me how you think regulations are going to roll out and what that's going to mean for the average consumer in the future, let's say here in the United States? So I think regulators have have some challenges right now because I think one of the things that is going to be hard to do is is shut down DeFi projects in, in the sense that like once something is running on a on a blockchain, on a decentralized network with open source code, and that in and frequently that the creators of the project, you know, no longer have any sort of operational control over the project. I think like you're going to see, you know, more things just launch the way um, uh, Uni did rather than uh, announce uh, that they are going to do something and provide plenty of, of fair warning about like what, what the imminent thing that's going to happen is. Um, instead, you're going to have uh, projects to launch. So now this puts regulators in a, in a bit of a tough spot because they can go after and, and you know there can be civil action, there can be criminal action for for violating securities laws. But at the end of the day, it doesn't put the genie back in the box. I have a question to what you just said. You know, this almost sounds like have you seen the movie Minority Report? Yeah. And and with Minority Report, and if everybody has ever saw it, there was these things called the precogs, and the precogs actually looked at future murders or future crimes that were happening, and they acted. Uh, before the crimes happened and got the criminals and put them in jail and arrested them. And you said, if there's no fair, fair warning, these DeFi projects are just going to launch. And how is the SEC ever, ever even going to be able to keep up with this? It seems like, though, they're going to need some sort of minority report pre-cog program to get these companies before this happens, or else it's just going to be chaos. People since the beginning of blockchain have been really talking about this sort of, of conflict between the First Amendment in the United States, which is you know the right to free speech, which for software engineers is the right to build code and, and write code and securities laws, especially when you're operating in this, this kind of financial software. And so the question has always been is like, uh, where is the line? And for unfortunately for regulators, I think a lot of the stuff that happens uh, before a project is live is really covered by the First Amendment. It's you know, it's talking about ideas, it's writing code, it's uh, creative expression. And there's a very small window between between that and having a live project um, as more and more of the software matures. So what I, you know, what, what, what maybe the reality of the situation is, is they may try to make an example of some team. Um, um, and that'll be interesting. Uh, there's no guarantee that the, the that they would win that litigation. There's almost a certainty now that if that's the strategy, that the that the thing that they decided to punish will continue to run and will continue to exist and will continue to operate in the world, in spite of the fact that the, the that they decided to go after and punish the team. It's interesting that you said that because the essence of blockchain is that it's going to run no matter what uh, legislation or regulations come down from whatever higher power. Um, so making the example 
example and instilling fear is the only way but people can also skirt that what does that really mean for the development of DeFi or blockchain in the future is there a way to do it legally and do it in in compliance with regulations or any government uh entity that is, you, you see rolling out in the future my general sense of the thing is uh, of the reality of the situation is that it's very difficult for to do anything DeFi that is for virtually anything in DeFi to like firmly exist within existing law. I think DeFi by its very nature is a challenge for existing financial regulations. And the real question is how does regulator do regulators interface with it? And you know, DeFi is still like it's still a little baby. It's still very early and we haven't really even seen like, you know, what, what we're seeing so far is still, you know, the the very earliest days of things, but it's also like um the capabilities are still very limited. And and as things get more and more capable and like it becomes very interesting to see the question of like you know they become more and more of a regulatory challenge it appears to me with these conversations that i'm having regulation for these projects these crypto projects that are acting locally cannot fall into and this is what you alluded to cannot fall into current regulation or law or the idea of uh national governance do you think that we're just gonna have to change the whole global economy to facilitate this new emerging technology i think that there's really a choice between governments trying to do everything that they can to push this technology you know push push these developments to the fringe um and keep them from out of the mainstream um which i think that you know you can see like with the with the actions against telegram that is sort of the strategy it's like uh we're not going to pay attention to anything that is but if you have like 100 million users and you want to deploy a blockchain or a DeFi system we're going to pay a lot of attention to that and just keep it kind of in a in, in a fringe activity on the on the sidelines of the internet which will work I think for time and I think regulators will try to will try to keep it out of like truly mainstream applications for as long as they can. The technology kind of has a momentum of its own at this point. Right on Zaki, thank you very much for coming on the show. Great. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily and thank you very much for participating in my thought experiment. Just kind of like ICOs took a bit a bit for regulation to catch on. DeFi, it was it's going to take a bit. And then we're going to have to try to figure out how that looks in the DeFi space. And it's going to be a very interesting, complex process. But nonetheless, I can promise you it's going to come. But in what form? That's yet to be seen. Enjoy your weekend, and I'll see you Monday on the Decrypt Daily.